You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Houndsman XP Podcast. This is Ask Me Anything Friday. This is where we take listener questions and we just answer the questions to the best of our ability. A lot of times we'll find experts if they're to, that are qualified to answer. And some of the crazy questions that come in, I'm not sure who the expert would be. So 
There may not even be an expert for that question. It may com be completely subjective. But at any rate, we're going to answer them all, even if we've got to make up some of the narrative here. The whole idea is to get good information out, but also have a lot of fun. And I have got the life of the party, Mr. Seth Hall from All Mixed Up, joining me on this podcast. If you guys haven't been checking out Seth and Chad on All Mixed Up on Fridays, uh, you're missing it, man. That it's a if you just need to check out for a little bit and have some good laughs while getting some good information. Make sure you're checking out All Mixed Up. So the way it works, when you see the picture in our group, our Facebook group called Houndsman XP Podcast Facebook group, when you see the picture of Tough and I, my Yog Terrier and I, sitting in the truck, that's the signal, okay? That's like sending out the bat signal to everybody saying, okay, we need your questions. And you start dumping the, dumping the questions on us, and people go in there, and they read them, and they like, and all that stuff. It's not a place for you to go in and start answering questions. It's a place to ask questions. So that's what it is, folks. And and I'll leave that post up for, I think I left it up for almost 48 hours, almost 72 hours this time, just to let the questions keep coming in. So here it is, folks. This is going to be an AMA Friday it's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. I hope you get a lot of laughs out of it. And I hope you actually get some useful information out of this. Before we dive into the questions, I want to talk to you about a couple things. I want to talk to you about Freedom Hunters, first off. You've all heard us, if you've listened to this podcast for any time, talk about Freedom Hunters, the fact that we take America's veterans on these hound hunting adventures. Houndsman XP coordinates with Anthony Pace to get that done. We've done bear hunts, hog hunts, deer hunts, deer hunts with hounds, all those sorts of things. We've done it with freedom hunters and the veterans. It's real easy for you to get involved. All you got to do is drop me an email and say, Hey, you know, I, I'm spending a lot of time riding around in the mountains by myself and I've got an empty seat in my truck. I actually want to help pay this back. The freedoms I'm enjoying, I, I want to help I want, to, I want to help benefit one of these veterans. So Freedom Hunters keeps a database of veterans, and there's veterans from everywhere, all across the country. So there's probably a veteran in your area in that database that you could take a day or two out hunting. It's that easy. You meet them at a local Waffle House, take them coon hunting, take them you know, riding around on the mountains looking for lion tracks, walk them into a tree, a lot of them, it's not necessary that they get to shoot stuff. You know, a lot of them are more than happy just to tag along and spend the day outside. So it's that easy, folks. All you got to do is drop me an email. Or you can go to our website, click on the Freedom Hunters tab. It'll take you in there. You got you to gotta fill out an application, which anybody with a third grade education can do, and get the ball rolling. It's that simple. Houndsman XP does not make a dime on these hunting adventures. It's just something that we do because it's the right thing to do. We enjoy our freedom in the country and we want to take America's heroes back out there and and let them know what their sacrifice has bought and paid for. What better way than listening to Freedom Ring through the mountains, chasing a bear, chasing a coon, chasing a mountain lion. 
that's it, folks. That's all there is to it. I also want to tell you why I got to share a little personal side to this thing, too. And this is long-winded, I know. I hope you're hang in there with me. <clears throat> you know, every once in a while you run across some folks that that just see the value in what we do. And, and as a hound hunting community, that is usually a, a it's been a difficult sell for us as hound hunters for a number of years, a few decades, you know, trying to get buy-in from from other hunting groups and things like that. And Anthony Pace has opened up so many doors for us as houndsmen. He's got us into the SHOT Show in Las Vegas where all the industry leaders are there and and made sure that we made contact with with some of the industry leaders, such as we had, a, we had an episode a few weeks ago with Jim Shockey, one of the most iconic names in the outdoor business. And we would have never landed that without Anthony Pace and Freedom Hunters. Uh, he's, he's connected to major brands. He's got friends. He used to work in this industry for a long time and he unselfishly shares all those contacts with us. And let me, let me spell it out real simple, how that transfers to success for us. The more times that we can make contact with these industry giants and tell them who we are and what we do, then it adds to our influence and our credibility as a hound hunting community. So that's, that's a real value for us as hound hunters. So if you've been sitting back and thinking, man, maybe this is the year, maybe this is it. This is the year that I'm going to, I'm going to get involved and, and take a veteran hunting. All you got to do is reach out folks, reach out to me, go to our website, go to, go to freedoms hunter hunters website and, and just get the ball rolling. It's that simple. If you're a business or a professional outfitter, just know that all of the donations that you make to Freedom Hunters are tax deductible. So there you go. From field to field, check out Freedom Hunters. Another company that I want to talk to you about real quick, and I know this is a huge long pre-roll, but I've got a, I'm just excited. I've, we've got several shout-outs we're doing this month before we get to this AMA. We are going to be in a double booth with Cajun Lights at Autumn Oaks over Labor Day weekend. Richmond, Indiana if you're a houndsman, you need to know where Richmond, Indiana is. That's the place to be for Labor Day. So there's your plug, UKC. And here's a plug for Cajun Lights. L.W. Nixon has been a huge supporter of this show and the hound hunting community. I mean, he's he's donates to, to our show for our Patreon members. They've got high-quality products. They don't just sell lights. A friend of mine called me the other day or sent me a message the other day and wanted to know where he could get tie-outs, Garmin equipment, and some other stuff, you know, some other general hound gear. Sent him over to the Cajun Lights website, and it was all right there. This is a houndsman from out west that was looking for a place where he could get all of the supplies he needed, and Cajun Lights had all of them. So you can go to CajunLights.com. And check out their supplies or stores or lights. They've got dogs are treed. They've got um, uh, they've got all kinds of supplements and vet meds and all kinds of stuff sitting right there in their shop. Get a light, get a vest, get a coat. It's all right there, folks. Check them out. You can also go to our website at houndsmanxp.com and click on the link. It'll take you right to Cajun Lights. I promise you, you won't find a better guy to do business with than L.W. Nixon. 
So I know that was a huge, long pre-roll. I appreciate you for hanging in there and listening through that. So I want to reward our listeners who take in all of the podcast. So if you will send me an email, and my email address is chris.houndsmanxp at gmail.com, and tell me the two companies that I mentioned in this pre-roll, then I will send you a couple decals from Houndsman XP. I know it's not much, but your listenership is important to us, and I appreciate you. So there you have it, folks. That's a pre-roll for this month. I use it to share a lot of good information, and and we're going to start picking that up with upcoming legislative information, so you're going to want to tune into these com- these these pre-rolls to hear the, the latest breaking news. Guys, this is a box shaker. Seth is joining me in the house for this AMA Friday. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. What you, hey, what are, you, what are you drinking? What oh, is that? Fucking ginger beer. Ginger beer. How come it's not in a freaking Mexican borough? That's what I want to know. <laughs> huh? Tequila oh, and lime. Look, I got I'm jaritos. You, it will it will change your life. Uh, we got some 16 ounce jaritos over there, which are like those little clay jars. But I yeah. didn't want to pour it in there, man. I just go straight from the can. <laughs> you were drinking ginger beer during the last all mixed up. These things are good, man. We got them to make mixed drinks, and uh, I don't drink, but we have all these left over. So I was like, these are freaking delicious. And now I just got a six pack of them laying around. I couldn't believe how good they were. They're like ginger ale, but better. Oh yeah, I've got a whole, I've got a whole uh, case of them sitting right over here. Bundaberg. Yeah, this is yeah. this is Gosling's here. And it was funny because in that in that episode of All Mixed Up, I was like, it's like a Moscow mule, but less Moscow, more mule. <laughs> I know. And you had a perfect you had a perfect opportunity to promote the Mexican borough right there. <laughs> the preferred yeah, well, drink, the preferred drink of Houndsman XP. It's true. It's true. At least one person. At least one person <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, we 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 had that funny chat going, and you were talking about those people cooking. And uh, well, to all the fans, there was, it was like a cookie. It was a cooking show that Chris had sent to the oh. group of all the HXP employees. And Shane, our IT guy, was like, yeah, "That's Seth every day, like just throwing random dead animals into a pot of oil and just oh yeah, stirring and laughing and having ranchero music playing in the background, which is like yep. half my life." <laughs> I hear yeah. you, man. <clears throat> That's actually pretty cool. That's those guys are nuts. And we're not going to promote to we're not going to promote their YouTube no, channel. No, no, no. Because we uh, well, for a bunch of reasons, but <laughs> anyway. Anyway, hey, this is an all mixed uh, or no. Hey, I'm using your title. What am I thinking? You're ask just that excited. <laughs> I am. I'm that excited. This is an ask me anything. But if you haven't listened to an all mixed up, the last episode you guys did was man, there's a lot of good dog talk. There's just a lot of good laughs. There's a lot of good entertainment. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Uh, if if people are looking for a good time, and they're not listening to all mixed up, it's I don't know what to tell you. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was our mission the whole time. Was like, you know, there's a great. We love to look. I, I'm not gonna be able to teach like Heath or you can, but uh, we really love to have informative stuff. But a great laughs and good stories along the way so uh, oh yeah tyler, 
Tyler Sladen was definitely a great guest for that. He's uh, done a lot of crazy stuff in a crazy place. Duke City be crazy. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I like the story about like getting cut off and stopped in the street by the El Camino. Yeah, you raising <laughs> pigeons, bro? That's yeah. so oh, yeah. freaking... You, you're trapping pigeons? <laughs> yeah. I, I've got my... the rollers right over here. You're not trapping my pigeons, are you, amigo? Yeah, exactly. My name's Haas. Yeah, that's... That's yeah. like half of the people here. Oh my gosh. So, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. I laughed oh. my butt off through that whole episode. I think but, this okay. one's gonna be just the same. I okay, yeah. Because every time I post the ask me anything, you know, post on Facebook and you gotta follow the Houndsman XP podcast Facebook group. Go there. If you're following us there, you'll you you can post questions when you see the picture of me and Tuff and and just start bombarding us with questions and we get all kinds of stuff some of the stuff we've already answered we've already answered it on other podcasts and we can tell right away who doesn't listen to this freaking show and just freeloads on our <laughs> podcast group because they'll ask us questions we've already answered so we've got like eight thousand members in there it, just listen to the podcast and you'll get your answer and <laughs> That's that's the first thing. The other thing is, um, and we're going to get to, I know, I'm going to let you select the questions, Seth. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Here, yeah, I'm going to let you select the questions, and I know there's one question in there that's going to get asked, and it's from a guy. I think he's made every, every There's no every way. Episode. He's a genius. He's a genius. There's just yeah. no other way to put it. He's a genius. <laughs> so. For sure. For sure. <laughs> And and just so you know, we do reserve the right to call you out for being stupid and asking dumb questions uh, on this show. This is totally off the hook, honest answers. And if I don't know the answers, then I'm going to make up whatever answer I come up with. <laughs> and and if you don't like it, go start your own podcast. I don't care. But uh, yeah, it's sassy. It's real, yeah, you know it, man. You know it. <laughs> No, I don't I I don't pretend to know everything. Um but I will in this episode. <laughs> well, I mean some of the answers are uh, pretty unknowable really. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So but that's that's kind of the pre-roll all bundled into this setup for the podcast, but uh I would just tell everybody it's like man, if you're not listening to Heath on Wednesday, you're missing a ton of stuff. And just because you're in a picture of a hound dog and somebody's running laps, I'm telling you, dog training is dog training is dog training. Understanding dog behavior is understanding dog behavior. Uh, you know, the way you get in a dog's brain and manipulate the behaviors you want are the same, whether you're looking at, at um, you know, high-performance police dogs to, to labs like we ran last week or uh, to coyote hounds. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's just knowing animal behavior and knowing mm -hmm. how to manipulate it to our own personal needs. And Heath covers it. Yep, I agree. And and it's so technical. I couldn't agree more. And not in an un not in an unpalatable way. I've learned how to I just from listening to the journey, I've learned better techniques in raising my own dogs. This is the most recent one, trailing off the charts. Thought that one there was so much like starting pups in there is so many kind of like aha light bulb moments, but anyway, yeah, I, uh, 
I've really enjoyed the journey for all of us. Yep. So, and then, and then of course, Chad with your show, I mean, that guy's, that guy's of, crazy. That guy's <laughs> one of the top animal trainers in the world. And, um, anybody that's not tuning in to listen to what he says, um, and reaching out to him and getting his direction. I mean, but he's offering it for free. All you got to do is download the podcast. So, yeah, but yeah, we reserve the right to uh, call you out. And, and here's the deal. If I get tons of messages asking questions and everybody needs to understand how social media works, social media. And when we promote something like this, I'm going to be on the selfish side here. There is a reason why we do things the way we do it. Um, if you don't ask us on this post, then I'm not going to answer it on the, on this episode because your responses on that particular post drive algorithms. They drive, they drive content. They make things pop up in people's feeds. And this is strictly the business side of this sort of stuff with Houndsman XP is when you see that picture of me and tough, and I've already answered the question if we're twins or not, you know, I know he, he's that's much, what I was going to say. Yeah. He's <laughs> much better looking than I am. I get it. He's a crowd pleaser wherever I go. But if you, if you engage us on the, on the actual post, when you see it pop up, then, then we'll answer your question. Don't send me a private message. Don't send me an email. Um, you know, step up, reach down, check your manhood. Don't be worried about, about whether it's a dumb question or not. We'll tell you if it's a dumb question or not <laughs> right here on this show. And, and we'll just, we'll just deal with it. We'll just deal with it. I agree. And yeah, it, it's a community of houndsmen, everyone. You're okay. You're safe. That's right. It's That's right. I ask, <laughs> I ask tons of dumb questions and questions and stuff all the time. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't walk around in this world or go to a hound engagement and, and, or a hound event or whatever, and think that I know everything. It's like, uh, there's people there. I don't know that I should, should know, but I just don't know who they are. So, um, you, you'll never learn if you don't ask questions. That's for uh, sure. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, what questions, so, what questions piqued your interest, Seth? There was a bunch of them. And uh, I always gravitate towards the funny questions. And and there's a lot of questions that have been answered already, like you had already said. So I'm going to move around a little bit throughout this list. There's 25 comments on here. So thanks for the engagement, everyone that rolled up in here. But I want to start with a really great question that uh, is the number one. Why are there no possum competition hunts? This is from Caleb Roach. Why is there no competition possum hunts? Because I've got a world champion grinner finding bulldog waiting to be crowned. <laughs> so I guess the, the question would be, has there ever been a possum hunting culture? And why is there no comp possum competition hunts? You know, I think there has been a possum hunting culture and it predates anything that there's very few people alive that, that actually experienced that because it was, it was 1920s and 1930s when they were just looking to put meat in the pot. You know, it's largely, uh, you know, Appalachia, Substance even hunting. even yeah. southern Indiana, down into Arkansas, where the, you know, uh, what's you're gonna you're gonna 
blow me out of the water here on the uh actual name but it's, it's the virginia opossum you know and we don't need to get into all your geeky latin names like chad called you out on last week but he didn't call me out he was in awe son <laughs> <laughs> we all are seth we all are <laughs> we all are all the time yeah so so yeah. there was a there was a culture that that did that and i'm i guarantee you you know that the ultimate contest for possum catching was whether you get to eat or not and are they good or were they just kind of a necessity food? Has anyone eaten a possum that you know of, or have you? I've had a job my whole life, so I never felt the need to have <laughs> to eat a possum. <laughs> you know? Uh, <clears throat> and no, no, I haven't. I've eaten raccoon, but I've never eaten possum. Uh, it's it's just one of those things that, that I've never... Uh, and I can eat a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it's but when just you kick a, it, when you know, you've always heard the story: kick a dead cow and three possums roll out of it. It's like, yeah. no, it's true. One time we were thermal pig hunting, and I we shot a pig the day before, and when we came up on that pig the next day, I saw heat, and I was like, "What the heck? That pig's dead!" And there was like six possums eating on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so gross. Ugh. Yeah, but I mean, in a weird way, they're kind of cute. They're what? They're kind of cute in a weird way. Plus, there are only in a marsupial. No, they're not. Yes, they, they are, are cool. They are cool because they're the North American marsupial, and you know, they're immune to rabies. They are. They're they're a dead spot. They're a dead end road for rabies. Yeah, you know. If, you if know it, why? Let's have it. There, go for it. They have a lower core body temperature than other mammals. Marsupials have a lower core body temperature. Well, this genre, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. So they the the rabies just can't survive in their uh, their body. It's too cold. The thing that we need to address though is that bull crap that was spreading around on social media about possums eating seventy million ticks a day or some yeah, crap, that's crazy. and everybody <laughs> like, oh, we should save the possum because he eats seventy million ticks. Well, when yeah. you put when you put a possum in a box and only feed it ticks, <laughs> it's going to eat seventy million ticks. <laughs> And that was the that was the hook in the whole well, it's, thing. It's kind of like it's kind of like people saying with bats, they're like, oh, they eat like five trillion mosquitoes a night. And I'm like, actually, most bat studies show that they mostly eat moths. I mean, I'm not saying bats aren't important, and I'm not saying that moths or bats don't eat mosquitoes. They definitely do, but they eat a lot of moths mostly here in this area of the world. They're they're a target species. You know, they're an easy target. Imagine yeah. trying to catch up. A moth out there fluttering around versus a mosquito. A mosquito. Yeah, a mosquito exactly. is like bzz, 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 and tiny. Yeah. 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 And tiny. The... And it's like I'll fly around and expend a bunch of energy to to zero in and catch something that's really tiny and hard to catch. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can get this whole steak dinner golden mm -hmm. corral buffet mm -hmm. in one cecropia moth. Bang. And the thing too, nice. Your moth genre. Uh yeah, I um, we were just talking about this last night. We have the ability to drive mosquitoes to extinction. We we quote have the technology, and and then there's people that are like, well, we don't know the ecological consequences of removing mosquitoes. And I'm like, if you're a species that requires mosquitoes to survive, you can go extinct too. I don't care. Mosquitoes suck. You know, <laughs> goodbye. I don't care. I didn't need you anyway. You're stupid. Like five thousand of yeah, yeah, five thousand of them on the neck of of the guy your your buddy up in British Columbia. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. He's the only person manly enough to survive with him, not me. Get him out yeah. of here and anything that needs him. So anyway, all right. So that was the question I wanted to start with is, is the but, possum that actually piqued my interest for real. I want to know, like, was there ever a series? Because everyone's like, well, they're trash. And I'm like, well, maybe they hunting them's kind of fun. You know, it's it's one of those deals of it. Since I got a terrier. Possums are cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it, you talk about live action all the time. I never I don't know how many possums uh, tough is caught. He's eradicated <laughs> them around within probably a hundred yards of, of my house here. <clears throat> and he's just, he's just a beast on them. But as far as a possum contest, I've never really heard of an official contest on possums. Hey folks, when you've got great sponsors and great products, it's not hard to talk about them. And I want to tell you about Onyx. Onyxmaps.com is where you go to get the most comprehensive mapping system in the hunting world. I'm telling you, it is a game changer for your hunting. It's going to reduce the cost of having map cards for every state. It doesn't directly integrate with your Garmin, but I use it all the time. If you can read a Garmin and then open up Onyx, you can see exactly where your dogs are headed, get property information, get terrain features. You can track where you've been. So if you're hunting a new area, say you're headed to Autumn Oaks and you're gonna guide up there through a friend of a friend of a friend and you want to know the area, you can actually pre-scout that area, go in and hunt it, and it'll map your actual track. You can turn on that feature, and it'll record it. While you're out there hunting, pre-hunting those spots, you can also find out who the neighboring landowners are. Contact them. Tell them what's up. Tell them you're going to be in there hunting, and, and more than likely, you're going to be able to gain access to more property in those areas. I use Onyx all the time. No lie. So you can go to the Houndsman XP website at houndsmanxp.com, click on the Onyx logo on our sponsor page and get your next elite subscription and use our promo code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your subscription for Onyx. Patreon members, you get a deeper discount when you join us on Patreon. Know where you stand with Onyx. We have some that are, are repeats, so I'm going to roll through them. And, of course, every every time we always have at least one question that asks if you and Tuff are brothers. So we'll, uh, we'll right. pass that as yes. <laughs> and so, exactly. He's, a, here's he's a good question. He's the smartest one of the two of us. He's got the higher IQ. And he's better on possums than you. Yeah. All right, sure. here we go. Anthony Anderson, he says, Is there a certain age a male dog is considered sterile and can't produce good semen? I've heard this from someone, and I'm curious if it's true. Or is the only way to know is to get a semen test? Yeah, I think that uh, there isn't a certain age. I don't think, and I'm no geneticist or doggy urologist here, but there's some some dogs that I've known of that were prepotent and had good swimmers up to 13 or 14 years old, and I know wow. others that have that have you know tapped out at seven or eight years old where they they went sterile um in my opinion 
it's a it's it's a general you know it's too broad of a question to to truly answer i think a lot of it goes back to you know the whole brucellosis thing and dietary and nutrition type stuff um and and the key reproductive health is a real thing in in the cattle and horse industry and i wonder how much people actually pay attention to reproductive health in these dogs and i think by the time we start seeing the results of a dog that is a great reproducer then the ship has sailed to really do the work the you know the, the beneficial work on the front end to maintain that reproductive health feeding a good diet you know any supplements you need i'm sure that that people that had dogs like diamond jim or spanky or whoever it was you know maybe spanky was potent up till till the day he died but but if they could have bred him more or done things to increase his reproductive health then they certainly would have done it knowing the impact that those dogs have had you know lipper is one of the all-time leaders historical leaders in in pup reproduction more pups than anything i think and you can't tell me that that they wouldn't have wanted to enjoy some more uh benefits from breeding that dog later in life so i think the real question is is it a is it a an age thing or is it an awareness thing within the the stud dog community that understands reproductive health and how to most benefit that stud there dog you. to be reproductive. Yeah. Yeah. And the key thing is, is I, I just from my extremely far view, I would say the best thing to do is yeah. Take care of the stud and, and see what, how his father's, if you have any of that data, see how his father's perform later in life and then get a semen test on him. Yeah. So. I mean, imagine, imagine having a dog that, that you're getting, Eight hundred or fifteen hundred dollars per stud fee. It's worth your why, money to go check that out. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, get him a at least a quarterly visit to to a reproductive specialist to find out what his sperm counts are. You know, things like that. So Pretty valuable. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And and you know, the, a lot of times they're breeding those types of dogs. You know, every other every three days, every five days, you know, things like that. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's good, easily pays for itself. Exactly. So especially with the top producer. So, yep. All right. I'm going to move us into a great question. <laughs> this is from none other than Derek Tormanen of Outer Agenda. I wonder when we get to this one. He put down his meth pipe. <laughs> he did. <laughs> to I'm serious, down. man. This guy, this guy thinks in another dimension. There's I no was, doubt about they're it. They're great questions. I'd get along great with this guy because I love weird questions like this. And uh, before we get there, I'm going to tangentially say when I was in uh, Farmington for the Horses, Hounds, and Mules show, uh, I stopped by a head shop. And when I was leaving, I saw in a bargain bowl, it was like bargain bowl pipes. And I looked in there, and it was all meth pipes for like five bucks. <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, Farmington. Okay, here we go. 
Derek Tormenden says, <clears throat> if your dog Tough the Yag was abducted by a band of roaming Sasquatch, would he be more likely to A, integrate roaming, into their society? Roaming, roaming or Roman? Roaming. Roaming, okay. As in nomadic. Okay. Roaming band of Sasquatches, would he be more likely to A, integrate into their society and eventually duel the Alpha to the death and defeat it, henceforth becoming their leader? Or B, never conform and be a constant menace until the perfect opportunity for escape presented itself? Hmm. He would never escape. <laughs> he would never escape. He's got mind control powers. So, so I'm going to, since it's a multiple choice, I'm going to go a, with a caveat. I'm going to say that, that he would infiltrate the clan, lure the alpha male Sasquatch into a situation where he would take his life. And then he would use his mind altering powers to convince the others that, that he was not only justified in being their leader, but he would get complete buy-in from the whole clan of Sasquatch. <laughs> I was going to say, see, he's already converted a Sasquatch into a fur mom. I'm talking to him <laughs> right now. <laughs> My feet aren't that big. <laughs> My wife can tell you that. Oh, <laughs> I was going to make the joke, but you did. You beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one, Derek. I still think all the time about the walking down a road, Bobcat on one side, two boar coons on the other. I take Bobcat all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, the, the whole thing is, you know what's crazy? Is that there is a podcast out there that is always like a top 20 podcast, and it's all about Bigfoot. It's all Dude, about Bigfoot. I've been seeing Bigfoot like believe stickers everywhere. And I don't know if it's like an internet thing for like a metaphor for like, just like kind of weird internet culture thing. I don't know what it is, but Bigfoot mania has taken over. And luckily we do not have a big squatching culture here because the only Bigfoots you're going to find are down at the local bars. You know what I mean? They're, they're very real here. <laughs> so back when I was still working, part of our job was to, uh, you know, patrol state parks and things like that. And I was patrolling through the state park and there was a truck there with a, a vinyl sticker in the back window. And, and it was a sticker of big, you know, a Sasquatch, obviously. And right under it's like, I believe, yeah, you know, and he, that's what he I'm had, saying. he had, he had, you know, a few other identifying decals on his truck that, that, made me believe that or made me understand that this guy was a true believer. And, um, so I ran into these guys and they come walking out of the woods and they've got, they've got backpacks on and they've got sticks in the back of their, you know, stuck down behind them here. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they had, they had sticks and they had calls and they had, they had all kinds of stuff. They were out there tree knocking. And if you don't know what tree knocking is, you know, it's some kind of mating call or, or something. It's, it's the mark of the Sasquatch. They're out there tree knocking, trying to lure Sasquatch in to get a picture of him in Versailles state park in Indiana. Oh my God. I don't know. Imagine how, did. imagine how good a hunters these guys would be if they actually applied themselves to a real animal. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. But they were, and so how, how do I, as a 
uniform professional law enforcement officer have this conversation with this group of people that are out tree knocking for Sasquatch? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this is what I, 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 I think, where did you even get that they tree knock? Because are you trying to base that off other primate behavior? Like people are like, you can't get them on trail camera. They're so smart. They walk behind trail cameras. I'm like, people walk in front of trail cameras and we talk and rule the world and fly in planes. But like, don't they have predator, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger predator type vision where they, <laughs> they don't see the yeah. world like we they do. They can see the infrared. Yes, of course. Yeah. A primate, supposedly a primate has some kind of enhanced thermal vision that other primates, including us don't have. Of yeah. course, of course. Yeah. They yeah, see and the they can fly while we're yeah. at it. Yeah. So, and turn no invisible doubt. like predator. So anyway. When, when I, I was a kid, stuff. when I was a kid, we went and watched, I can't remember the name of the movie. It was probably, and this is, this is really going back, but it was in the seventies. And we went to the drive-in theater and watched this movie about Bigfoot. And we lived right across the road from a place called Atterbury. Uh, it was a military installation. And so it was this big wilderness area, thousands of acres right across the road. And my stepdad climbed up on the, our bedroom was upstairs. And after the, after the movie, of course, we were all flipping out. We we're only, you know, I was less than 10 years old at the time. And we get back to the house and we didn't have AC. And, and my brother and I are in our bedroom upstairs. And all of a sudden we're talking about the movie. And all of a sudden we hear scratching on the screen and you know all this stuff and so you've never seen to a nine and an eight-year-old fly down a set of steps like we did <laughs> holy smoke if we'd had, back in the days we would have been instagram famous for sure at least my <laughs> mom would have been because it was it, it absolutely freaked us out yeah freaked us out yeah, I bet. Uh, that you movie know, but, Tremors freaked me out when I was a kid. I didn't want to walk on the ground for a while when I watched it. That one where like the like worms under the ground, that B B rated horror movie that became huge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I saw a post the other day that made me think. So it kind of goes with this. You know, you asked a question about what makes people think that Sasquatch would be into tree knocking. Well, how did how did Pixar come up with the sounds that dinosaurs make? Nobody's ever heard one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. One of those things that makes you go, hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. True. Yep. Well, they'll try to cover it was up some pseudoscience. That's the thing. At least the Pixar people will be like, yeah, we just made it up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Right. All, All right. right. Here we go. Now, there's a, there was a lot of good questions here from multiple people. Uh, there was some repeat questions from other people, but I'm going to go to one that I actually may be able to have some slight input in. Jacob Morgan, top contributor, by the way, says, if someone was looking to buy each of the following type of hounds, what would you say a good, solid, broke, top 20% catch the game by their self dog would cost? We're going to start. Here we go. With There's bobcat dog, bear dog, mountain lion dog, squirrel dog, coon hound. So that's quite a few of them. Maybe we can lump those in together as like small game tree hound. We'll keep coon dog out because that's its own thing with competition world, which can get absurd. But let's say like a small game tree dog, like a cur or a feist or a hound. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And if you're looking for top 20%, I think you have to take an average. But 
you know, I know of, of even, and I'm not, not, I hate to say even because Mount, you know, little cur dogs and, and good squirrel dogs have, have extremely high value, not only for competition, but for, you know, just people that, that enjoy going out and hunting, you know, it's not uncommon to get into five figures on, on one of those little dogs, you know, yeah. it's, and, yeah. and, and I'm not talking like 10 grand, I'm talking, you know, m multipliers behind that. Wow. Um, you know, you're looking at, you look at bobcat dogs. I would, I would say that a bobcat dog probably has one of the most difficult jobs. To, if, if you're looking at a top 20% bobcat dog, one that, that, um, you know, can consistently unravel complicated bobcat tracks and, and put meat on the stick at the end of the track. That is one of the highest callings a hound can have. I mean, they, those bobcats will so many times. Yeah, they will, they will pull anything and everything they can double back on their tracks, you know, run through the rocks, hole up, shoot out the other end of a culvert. And it takes an extremely intelligent dog to do that. And I think the, the, you know, the, the sky's the limit on, on the, on the price of those, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's, it's just, it's just in the eye of the beholder of, there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to pay the exorbitant anomaly, you know, anomaly of a price, which you know. I've seen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And some of it comes from, from name and reputation where the dogs are coming from and things like that. But, you know, yeah, high 15 to 20%, you know, if you're looking at making a living with that dog and this goes across the board and we'll get into the competition coon dog thing, but you know, 10 to $20,000 right now for that type of dog is not an, not at all uncommon. Yeah, I um I've always wanted to bobcats are actually pretty plentiful where I live, but everyone is just like, yo, don't start with them. That's tough. So I'm like, okay. So yeah, I was kind of curious where that would be. Uh what about a what about a good eastern bear dog? What do you think the up same kind of deal as the bobcat or not as viable, you don't think? A bear dog is a bear dog is special. A dog that will chase a bear is not that special. You find yeah, a dog that'll chase a bear twice, you know, and you got the start of a good bear dog. You know, a lot of, a lot of dogs will go out there and they'll chase a, a bear one time until the bear turns around, looks at them. And then it's like, mm. nope, I'm out, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it's just the nature of the, of that, that sort of game, you know, with chasing bears. So you got a good start at possibly making making something into a bear dog, but, but for years, you know, some of the, some of the top bear dog bear hunters in the world have, have sold in North America anyway, have sold dogs overseas for a lot of money, Japan, Sweden. You've had episodes where they were in, in Finland, right? Or yep. Sweden, Sweden, yeah. Norway. He talks you about know, a grizzly is a lot more intimidating than a black yep. bear. And a lot of those dogs, they see their first grizzly and they go, 
Nope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Perry England was on the show and he talked about hunting brown bears, grizzlies. You yep, know, that's what I was thinking. So that's a great episode, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, bear dogs, it's all it's all relevant to who's holding the checkbook and what they're willing to pay for it. Because um, you know, I know Everett Weems in the plot breed sold sold dogs across the pond, you know, to Japan to uh to hunt bears in japan big it was a big culture. culture exists that's awesome oh yeah yep yep that's awesome sure. now, i like how where you go other places in the world they had traditional breeds for bear hunting and yet still they're all coming back to these kind of more american because we still have the crazy hunting lines that are still going strong and a lot of the world doesn't anymore that's right that's a lot yep. of it you know you you listen to that episode we did with pair england and some of the restrictions that they have on hunting alone, just hunting, you know, you got to pass tests, you got to be certified. You got to, you know, you almost have to go through an apprenticeship type thing to, to even get your hunting license. So there's a big hurdle to cross there. And then to hunt with a dog, you've got to go through more certification. So you got to, you got to have a lot of buy-in and a lot of investment in order just to, just to get started. And then where are you going to find, where are you going to find the dogs that there's not, a, there's not a huge pool of those types of dogs in Europe or places like that. Right. There is here though, because luckily quote unquote ammunition isn't that expensive yet. You know, right. it's a lot easier to be a hunter here. Okay. And I'm going to answer this one. If you don't mind mountain lion dog. Yep. I was just in Kirtland, New Mexico. Patrons, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I did a behind the scenes with Chad where we just kind of talked about what me and Justin saw there. And I was I was shocked at how much those dogs could go for. And uh, in the sighthound world, the dog just isn't worth that much because it's not the level of training, the level of financial input. Look, nobody's, nobody's paying to hunt a jackrabbit. Nobody. Well, you're yeah, you're just chasing a jackrabbit. Exactly, but <laughs> I got you to like, agree to it. I got you yeah, to yeah. agree. Oh, I'll tell you right now, financially, they're the most worthless animal that's ever lived. You know what I mean? They, which, we, which totally debunks the superior life form. No, I mean, when that's I, the yeah, thing. Oh, no. Like, no, do you when think I, philosophers are rich? No, philosophers, the greatest thinkers of our time are poor. They live in extremes. That's what I'm saying. A hare is this extremely noble, unbelievably perfect animal. But then he's Jordan gotta... Peter, You think Jordan Peterson is poor? Give me a break. He is not poor. Oh, he's not a philosopher. He is a philosopher. Yes, he Plato is. Plato was a philosopher. He, well, he sat on a rock and died broke. Or exactly. ten, yeah. Jack he lived 2,000 years ago. If he made $5 a day, he was the richest man in his community. <laughs> I signed so, a jackrabbit so, on a dude's truck, okay? <laughs> oh, you ain't signing no coons on people's truck. <laughs> uh, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even understand that. When I was driving through the, <laughs> I drop off the, off the Paloma pass and get into Southern Colorado there and jackrabbits were running out to the road to give themselves up when they knew tough was in the truck. They they had to give you a confidence boost. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, anyway, yeah. So I was shocked. Uh, we, there was a, there was a dog from a very wealthy, I'm sorry, very wealthy, very famous uh, lion hunter and Mr. Biggerstaff and one of his intact bitches who was like seven years old and completely trained, ready to go, kind of like what you were just describing, uh, what Jacob was describing in this question, uh, go for $21,000. Right. 
Yeah, and I was just like, holy crap. That's crazy. If you go on the horses, hounds, and mules site, you can see, you know, they they did a lot of promos on their top sellers and different things. So and if you're listening to this go next year, it was awesome. Huh? I said, if you're listening to this, everybody go next year. It was awesome. Yeah. There were so many badass houndsmen there. And uh, what a cool crowd. I mean, it is our people, you know, like, should I, should I take time and describe why, tell why I wasn't there? You're in a good mood. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) It was airlines being jacked up is what it is, what it boiled down to. It really was. I was, I was, I spent four hours in the airport that day. They kept delaying my flights and then rerouting my flights. My rerouted flights were delayed. And I was just like, you know what? You people can't figure this out. There's no way I'm getting on one of your planes. No way. So I just canceled. I that I didn't want to get to Houston and get get stuck in an airport for 36 hours for a mm-hmm. for a two day trip. Yeah. Yeah. So it was sad. We missed you. A lot of people were asking where you were. They were like, "We'll just settle for this weird jackrabbit guy <laughs> and let him sign our truck." I <laughs> know that Troy, you were badass. But there, hey, there were some people that did ask me to convince them why jackrabbits are badass and i mean by the end of it they were agreed agreed they were like mountain lions are dumb (laughs) as hell (laughs) (laughs) so anyway i actually did not talk about rabbit hunting that much i really didn't i was actually pretty uh i was pretty happy to just uh get into the dry ground world and i ran around with my microphone so stay tuned for next month you guys i got a lot of really awesome footage and uh, also go to the Patreon page, you guys. I met a crazy subculture of mule people called Chuck Wagon Racers. And those guys are crazy. And the ladies are even crazier. So uh, it was really rad meeting those guys. And I got a lot of cool uh, content from them, too. So anyway, it's yeah. on the Patreon page. Yeah. So let's get into the coon dog side of it. I Yeah. yeah you know, right. the coon dog, the, the coon dog, the coon dog thing is kind of taking on life of its own. Um with the with the introduction of one hundred thousand dollar hunts and and different things, it's really pushed the price of some of these hounds up. Yeah. And but I'm still gonna say that I compare <clears throat> that to the horse industry. You know, what horses sell for on average out there at that sale, Seth? What do you think? What would you say? Um, I think the average probably was like. Uh, for ho- the mules actually sold for more than the horses, but, uh, mm-hmm. I think the average horse is probably about five grand. Right. Right. So when you look at that work again, I, it's an easy comparison for me. I always compare competition coon hunting to, you know, like thoroughbred racing, thoroughbreds, thoroughbred horses that are track ready and, and potential winners and things like that are going to sell for th- hundreds of thousands of dollars on average. And, and so when I look at this competition coon hunting thing, um, it's versus just your standard coon dog, then, then it's the same comparison because I'm not going to go buy a horse off of the, off the track and think that I can take it to New Mexico and do the same thing that some of these tried and true proven mountain horses can do in the mountains, you know, in New Mexico or Southern Colorado yeah. or wherever. And while that horse might bring five to $10,000, it's definitely, and be a very good horse, a usable horse, something that I'm going to, you know, feel safe on 
something that's going to do the job that I need it to do. It's not going to cost me what a horse running around a track is going to do. Yep. The so, financial incentives. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's how I compare the two, you know, the, the anomaly of, of these competition dogs that are selling for 30, 50, $75,000. Um, I'm glad they're bringing that. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm happy that they're, that they're, there's people out there willing to pay for that. Yeah. I've got good friends that, that are, that are Bub Blackwell is, is cashing in on that because he does good work. He produces good dogs. He hunts hard, man. That guy's a beast of a hunter. And you know that when you buy something from Bub, you're going to, you're going to end up with, with something that, that, um, is above average in, in capability and potential to put you in the winner circle to, to cash those checks. So, you know, this isn't a dig against competition coon hunting or the price of dogs, but you know, to get a top 20% dog that, that people can, can pay for and what that should bring, you know, if you spend between five to $10,000, then you, for your average person, uh, that's going to be a pretty nice, pretty nice hound. I'm not saying he's going to get you in the finals of the pro sport truck hunt or the hundred thousand dollar hunt, but top 20%, then I would say five to 10 grand should, should get you there real easy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is, uh, that's kind of me and Justin had to let that soak in and process, but a lot of these mountain lion hunters are outfitters. And so there's a, there's a great financial incentive to these dogs. So when you have a excellence pack, you're able to sustain your lifestyle and, yep. you know, make a, a different career out of it. It's, it's just like competition coon hunting. You know, the reason yep. those dogs bring that much is because, you know, one win can, can put you in the black on your investment. Yeah. So, and it's all supply and demand too, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, in my world, a, a really nice, badass long dog pup, like 200 bucks, 250 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's a really nice Saluki puppy, like 1500. Right. I mean, I, Justin said the most expensive coyote dog he ever saw sold was five grand. That was young, trained, badass on every angle. So, and I agree. I can't even imagine a coursing dog going for much more than that. So anyway, yeah, I was blown away at that. And, and I, first thing I thought too, was like competition coon dogs must be even more crazy. So yeah, I, but, I think uh, one of the things that the the coon hunting world has always judged and gauged their dogs off of what a dog can do in competition at least since the i would say since i started hunting in the early 80s 1980s you know it's always like well how many grand nights they have? how many night champions is he pkc is he super you know is he super staked all this other stuff those were all added factors because uh that's the value system that we had set up but you take, you take some of these other dogs, these line dogs where, uh, you know, the professional handler type thing and the competition coon hunting thing is, is actually not that old of an idea. It hadn't been around that long. It what you know, it, in the 1990s or the, even the early two thousands, it was, there were a few people around that, that were keeping the lights on and paying the bills with coon dogs, but it wasn't common. And now you see a lot more people that have got the financial means to pay somebody to go out there and keep and a dog in the woods every night. So yep. it's, it's, it's actually created its own, own economy there. Not to mention, you know, what these events like autumn Oaks 
bring to a community. I yeah. mean, that's like a twelve million dollar weekend for the for the city of Richmond. Yeah, yeah, and true. So, I'm glad when you were talking about when you started hunting, you clarified the 1980s. I thought it was the 1880s. So, thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Next question. Here we go, guys. You this guys one... wouldn't have never heard of Ben Lilly if I'd have been alive in the 1880s. <laughs> You'd been like Ben Lilly, wasn't that guy? Didn't he? Didn't he used to run around with Chris Powell? You would have. You would have been the 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 coon king of the Northwoods, or maybe you would have ran to New Mexico barefoot. I don't know. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. 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 There were different standards back in those days. Either the woman got in the wagon, or she went home to mom. That's true. <laughs> or you just took off barefoot and lived in a lean-to in the Gila and ate your dogs like Ben exactly. did. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There, Teddy Roosevelt wrote about him in his book about how when Teddy Roosevelt was near Lordsburg, New Mexico, hunting pronghorn, they summoned for Ben Lilly to come guide him and hunt mountain lions with him. And Ben Lilly, as always, walked from the Gila to Lordsburg, which, I mean, people Google this, is as crazy long distances of like pretty rough combination of forests and desert and desert grasslands and he showed up there and came in sometime over the night when teddy roosevelt came out of his tent ben lily was asleep in a tree barefoot with all his hounds sleeping under the tree with him are you sure his... i think that was a louisiana story oh okay i don't know that's what i, I think read. that was I, a louisiana yeah. story you got okay but I, I i haven't read the book but that's what I understood about him when when Teddy Roosevelt hunted with him in Louisiana. So he also summoned him in New Mexico. I know he hunted with him in New Mexico for prong when he was pronghorn hunting there too. But I, maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing up those two experiences because that that's too too coincidental. But either way, Teddy Roosevelt, I do remember this said he moved through the forest like smoke, and I'm like, right, damn, that's yeah. A bad. My question is, my question <laughs> is. How long was Teddy Roosevelt there hunting pronghorn? Because if you think about the amount of effort it would have taken to, to get a him. message to yeah. Ben Lilly, find him, and then him walk back. Walk. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're talking about a month. Oh, dude. That is I, okay. I, I mean, yeah, the distances here are vast. So just to find someone in the Gila would be crazy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, we, we spend a lot of time hunting in those areas of the world. So we I think about that walk all the time. Right. All right. Next question. Josh Michaelis, he says, why does Seth live in a place that's hotter than the gates of hell 14 months per year? I'll tell you why. Uh, two reasons. One, jackrabbits live here. Two, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's actually only horrible for four months out of the year. The other eight months of the year here are paradise. They're so nice. Oh, that's the answer to that question. All right. Tyler Sladen, Josh Michaelis or Seth Hall in a mud wrestling match. It's Michael. It's Michael. It's Michaelis. What'd I say? Michaelis. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Josh Michaelis or Josh Michaelis in a mud wrestling match using only legs. Chris, you're on the spot right now. I know. These are the real questions. Josh Michaelis versus Seth. In a, in a mud, mud wrestling, wrestling match using only legs. What does that mean? I think it's where you like lay parallel to each other and lock talking legs about and leg try rest, to flip each other. Leg wrestling? A good yeah, old leg wrestling? That's what I imagine. Good old or leg maybe, wrestling? Maybe it's just like stand-up wrestling, but you only kick each other. Yeah. Which... Josh, well, see, here's the deal. Josh just thinks he's big. He's a little bitty feller. But I'm not. Dynamite comes in small packages. I think it's got to come down to, you know, 
it's got to come down to, you know, who's got the most grit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I don't know. I it's it's a toss up. He doesn't now, want to say. <laughs> I've seen now now if you threw Tyler Sladen, if you threw Tyler Sladen in there, I've seen Tyler Sladen's legs. I mean that guy walked around on tree stumps. I mean he's <laughs> yeah. he's got developed. That's why quads. he asked. He oh, looked yeah. down and he was like, "Who could I defeat?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Tyler Tyler's like five foot six and has like 20 you know 32 inch legs or something i mean he's got he's got developed quadriceps did you see him running across a roof on that freaking video it was the it was the short shorts at the at the at the it's uh, a terrier, terrier trials, trials yeah. that really got you uh got you startled oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i uh he never threw his pt shorts away from army basic training or something he's still wearing them it's I like think, my legs um, look good in these <laughs> that's why they start that tradition i uh i feel like if it's a laying leg wrestle i don't know i've never seen josh in person i'm not gonna lay my i'm built like a saluki i'm tall and lanky and skinny so i don't yeah, know if you I look any... like a, you look when if you walk around in shorts you look like you're riding a chicken yeah i agree <laughs> i fully agree is who that, said I was, are those who, your legs or are you riding riding a chicken who who commented on who commented on that facebook page that said that oh it was nate valley he said a uh, chicken legged desert runner and i was like this is literally perfect it's like nate's known me my entire life or something i am a chicken legged desert runner a hundred percent yeah that's exactly right speaking of which i just got off the phone with that guy this morning i'm gonna go dig dig up some stuff with him this winter so right. that'll be cool but right. anyway, yeah. So, if, but if it's a stand-up leg wrestling match where we can't use our arms, but we're still like trying to knock each other down, I feel like I could do pretty good like that because I'm a pretty good kicker. I have a lot of MMA under my belt. But, I think but I kick the shit out of him. <laughs> if so. it's mud wrestling using legs, you're laying like side yeah, by that's side. What I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. Then I, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm gonna go with body mass and say you got him. You know, because pre pre divorce, Josh. I would have gone with Josh because he had a little more heft to him. And then after he got divorced, he he kind of went on the whole fitness thing and and shed some weight. He looks kind of wormy. Kind of wormy. <laughs> I hope Someone Josh give him McKayla's. some ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Josh is listening to this every word. <laughs> I'm gonna get a text from him and be like, "Where are you, bitch?" <laughs> 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 we're doing this bring right. the bring the gopro it's happening it's happening yeah I better do some uh better do some hamstring curls for the next six months <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right all right we're running are there any down other, here are there any dog questions in this thing there are like there legitimate are. all right there's some that there's some that have been asked before so I'm i'm going through them we've already done that but i'm gonna i'm gonna have you just run run through Okay, Jacob Campbell every month asks a great question. And this one's a little long, but I do want to go through it. It is not a repeat. So Jacob Campbell says, Chris Powell, with your time on Earth, experience with big game and small game hounds, which is a good amount, he says, which do you think personally takes more discipline, brains, drive, grit, and stamina, and nose? Also, break down Eastern versus Western hounds. I know it's been beat to death, but it's important. It keeps coming up for houndsmen to realize. So what do you think? Let's start with the first part of that. Do you think, uh, which, which, which takes personally more discipline, brain drives, grit, stamina, nose, big game or small game, big game. 
No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, when you look at, um, but I will give you this caveat. I think there's also some misunderstanding there on the side of the big game hunter, uh, that, that, you know, coon dogs can't make big game dogs and, and big game dogs can't make coon dogs. And I've tried to debunk that theory. You know, I mean, you look, you look at, you look at some of those most successful, uh, Walker lines. And we already mentioned lipper, you know, big game hunters are still looking for lipper blood up close in their pedigrees. Lipper was a UKC world champion coonhound, but he puts something in those pups that make big game hunters want those. Also, you look at Lester Nance. Lester Nance was a native of Indiana. He was the father of the Dream Walker breed by most standards. You know, White River King was one of the first uh, Dream Walkers ever recognized and registered by UKC. And Nance blood is still a sought after. Uh, uh, bloodline in the big game house. Now, the reason I bring all that up is because I'm of the belief that as far as treeing, locating, things like that, I don't know why we're putting ourselves in these silos to, to think that the coonhound world has nothing to offer the big game world and the big game world has nothing to offer the coonhound world because the things that are lacking in a lot of the Western hounds is that lo- and the thing that Western houndsmen are always looking for is that locating ability to locate a bobcat in a hundred foot ponderosa pine. Uh, the thing that so many Eastern coon hunters are always complaining about is the ability to actually run a track on a raccoon. So if you would take the locating ability of the Eastern southern and i'm saying eastern and western because there's a big river that divides this country i'm not getting into south or north any of that stuff let's just leave it there east versus west um you take that eastern coon hound and and take its locating ability and its intelligence to uh sort out a track and and find that that animal in a tree and locate accurately and put it in the western hound i think it could satisfy both both cultures there. There was a coonhound uh, bred blue tick at the horses, hound, and mules, and people really wanted him for that exact reason. They was said it a, they were awesome tree dogs. And and even the term tree dog east versus west is completely different. You know, in the west, people want a dog that's not going to come off the tree and continue to, you know, go rerun a track or find a new track to run. And there's a lot of tracking ability bred in generation after generation of those hounds. Whereas a tree dog in the East is an accurate locating dog that sits on the tree. And when you hear an Eastern coon hunter say, man, he was a great tree dog. It means he could, he, sometimes it just means he barked a lot, you know, 140 barks a minute. I had a, I had a plot female named Rachel that that was an outstanding tree dog she wasn't that accurate but she was classy on the tree you know she would belly up and she would belt them out and you never had to worry about her leaving she was parked and she was there to stay um and when i say not that accurate she was she was fairly accurate but but not lights out accurate she you know some some of these dogs have never met a tree they didn't like 
you know, whether there was a raccoon sitting above their head or not. I think some that of that's the go ahead. Accurate is like meaning they don't slick tree often, is what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That they sounds may not. silly because I didn't know that like a hundred percent, but I mean I don't have trees where I live. So right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no trees. <laughs> so so yeah. my end game here is you find a dog that can contract something like a raccoon and have a high percentage of accuracy be able to stay at the tree and that's a hard job and to take it a step further you show me a dog a squirrel dog a mountain cur a feist that can do that i always look at it like this i've sat in tree stands and watched squirrels bounce on this limb and this blow down and run around this tree and then oh, go over here ninjas. and then I've, I've sat there and i've thought how does my squirrel dog ever narrow that down and tree and be accurate doing it? There's got to yeah. be some brains there. And then you graduate <sighs> up to raccoons and then you go to, you know, a bobcat or a bear. You know, I, I just think, I think we are very good at putting ourselves in silos and trying to say, I'm a big game hunter. I'm a coon hunter. I'm a bear hunter. I'm a lion hunter. I'm a Southwest lion hunter, you know, and, and, we just need to look at the big picture and realize that, that there are genetic traits that would benefit all of us. If we just break out of our, our own paradigm paralysis. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people are actually really good at too. I think, I think they're getting better all the time. All right. Yep. And then the second part of that question, uh, Oh, actually you already did Eastern versus Western hounds. You kind of already touched on that. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think the hogwash of, you know, the hogwash of dogs, not traveling. And this is goes to the competition coon hunters that think that they're putting the most demands on, on running dogs up and down the road, but bear hunters, lion hunters, they put hundreds and hundreds of miles on dogs day after day where those dogs yeah. may never get out of the truck. Yep. So I think, I think that whole conversation is a wash, you know, um, if you've got a dog that travels well, you get a dog that travels well. If you've got a dog that's, that's gritty and I'm talking the true meaning of grit, not, uh, you know, gritty at the tree, meaning they're mean or rough at a tree. I'm talking about a dog that, that has enough grit in it to make a bear climb a tree or to, to bay a mountain lion on ledged out cliff at, at, you know, four or five feet or one foot, that's grit, you know, tough is gritty. My, my yog is gritty to the, without being suicidal about the whole thing, you <laughs> know, that's grit. Those little guys. Yeah. And there <laughs> and is so, for hounds too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like when I was first listening to this show as a fan, way before I even worked for hounds on XP, I would always listen to those bear hunting episodes and those all those old school guys would be like, there's a fine line between gritty and dead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there and is. And they'd always say it. And I, that always, that kind of hit me like a meter. I was like, damn, mm -hmm. yeah, true. Yeah. All right. This is a good question. And I think we're nearly done. Do ineffective corrections desensitize a dog to hard corrections? This, this is, from is Wesley a great Woodyard. question. Yes, it is. I'm glad you read Wesley's. Wesley yep. is a student. You know, I've, I've hunted with Wesley a lot and Wesley's always one of those guys that's, that's, you know, looking to learn. He's real good friends with Heath and Heath 
he asks questions to Heath all the time because he does, he's not just satisfied with having the status quo. He's always looking at taking his game to the next level. And in my opinion, it's not because I hunt with Wesley, but this is one of the best questions that we've ever had. Um, so read it again, and then we'll, I'll answer it. All righty. I went away from it. I want to make sure. I want to make sure everybody gets this question. Wesley Woodyard says, do ineffective corrections desensitize a dog to hard corrections? And has anyone ever made a nice hound only using all positive training with no negative reinforcement? I can't, I can't answer about, has anybody ever made a hound with all positive reinforcement? Because, you know, obviously I don't know every houndsman out there. Um, That's a good answer. Here's, here's, here's my opinion on overusing the correction or desensitizing a dog to correction. Heath did a really good episode on the journey with a trainer, and I can't remember which one it was, uh, but they talked about extinction training and they talked about, they talked about, uh, correcting and it was used to correct unwanted, absolutely bad behavior. I think, I think that can be overdone, but I'll tell, I'll answer this question by answering us, answering with a story. When I was a canine handler, we went through canine school and we had a handler that, um, was very vocal all the time, screaming and yelling, screaming at dogs and never putting any real correction on the dog or correcting the unwanted behavior. It was emotionally charged. It was all, it was all just, you, you never had to, you never had to try to figure out where this handler and their dog was because you could hear them yelling at the dog. And so the joke became, would you rather be nagged by that handler or take a shot from the e-collar? And everybody to the person was like, I'd rather just have the shot from the e-collar because that nagging stuff just goes on and on to no end. So absolutely, you can desensitize a dog. I think it goes back to, um, you know, King Solomon in Proverbs of let your yes be yes and your no be no and be consistent and effective in your correction and make them know that you mean it. Does that mean you have to, you know, let's talk on a scale of one to 10. Does it mean you have to be at 10 all the time? No, but they need to know that the wrath of God can come down on them at any time if they don't understand. Now I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about beating and training dogs never belong in the same sentence ever or the same conversation as far as I'm concerned. If you can't figure out how to manipulate the behavior of a dog, yeah. then then you need to find a totally different, you need some like personal help classes or something. Um, because you probably don't get along. It's like Ed Barnes said, you know, uh, in, a, in the podcast he did with me, he's like, if you show up to buy a dog and that guy's kids are unruly and, and a bunch of little bunch of little turds don't buy that dog 
you know, because he can't figure out how to control his own kids. He sure doesn't have a handle. Yeah. And a dog is pretty simple in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. So I always look at it like that. It's like, let your SBS and your no be no and be ready and prepared to back it up every time. There's no place for nagging. And because I think it does desensitize them if it's, if it's in, in canine handling, when I, I always use the word fooey. I mean, that sounds gay and, and everything else, but I said it, I don't drink Bud Light. I'm good. <laughs> I'm just staying quiet to let your train keep going. I'm just <laughs> but saying. I'm laughing my ass off when you said fooey. <laughs> Absolutely. It works. It works. It does. You know, now I use, ah, you know, yeah. when I say, ah, you know, that's exactly knows. what every, I do. Hey, every, yeah. every dog on my place knows when I say that it's time to stop doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. and think about your next next choice you know yep. <laughs> your next decision is crucial what you do um and that means the reason we use fooey is because it's a word that's never used i mean it, it's just not used if i use the word no you know you know what i mean how did you know True. all the time you're using this word and you can the dog dog's brains don't work like that but when you use tone and a specific word mixed with body language, that's how you effectively they get it. Yeah. Yep. I've yep. seen people that talk to their dogs too much. And that's what I've always like. And and I've been very cognizant about how I train my own dogs. I've been happy with my ability to handle my dogs since, you know, but I've obviously improved immensely over the years. But, you know, I've seen a lot of people, not a lot, I've seen people I've hunted with that talk to them too much, have conversations with them when they're hunting. Don't let them go out and hunt instead of just like micromanaging their every step. Right. And I'm like, man, like, that's just so dumb. Like those dogs, they just get, you know, Chad talked to me about that a lot. How dogs, he's seen dogs get ruined by overhandling or talking to them too much. Just keep it simple, stupid. Like I yep. say, that's exactly what I do. Hey, I'm like, Hey, or, ah, you know, like when they make something, I don't, when they do something, I don't like a grunting sound and, you know, let them be dogs, but, and then also make firm, simple corrections. I don't like yeah. talking to my dogs a lot when they're hunting or any time like that. Cause it, I always explain it to like, they only understand tone and body language and the words you've taught them. If someone in Chinese is talking to me, I don't know at all what they're saying, but I do understand their body language, their tone. And if he taught me that like, she, she means thank you. If he's blah, 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 and it says she, she, I'm like, Oh, so he's a You're little welcome. happy. He, yeah, exactly. And if his tone is good. So yeah. anyway, yeah, and that's I don't I just keep it kind of minimal and let them hunt and do their yeah. thing, but then correct when they try to do stupid things like chase a cow or something. One of the things that we need to keep in mind is that that people are verbal creatures. You know, we communicate verbally. We miss so much of the body language, whereas dogs are primarily oh, yeah. body language readers. They can read your body language. They can read the body language of other dogs. And I've seen other dogs. You know, you, you start mixing dogs together, strange dogs together, and you don't think anything's going on. And then all of a sudden you got a balled up mess where they're trying to, you know, pull each other's throats out and just, I'm talking at dog park type stuff. And yeah. you go to, you go to the dog park and you watch this. It's like, ah, you know, Dakota's never acted like that with another dog. It's like, yeah, he's acting like that a bunch with other dogs. You just have never picked up on the body language or not cued into the body language. So, yeah. and so you got that aspect. 
and then you've got the genetic makeup of the dog and how to communicate with the dog. You know, when that, from the time that dog is a small puppy comes right out of the, comes right into the world, still wet, you know, mama starts teaching that dog things like the growl. It's like, that means stop. So yep. when you add, ah, you know, that's my growl to my dog that I'm, I'm invoking a, a behavior that they already know. They were already taught that by mama when they were yep. born, you're biting too hard on the nipple. Ah. You know, don't bite my ears. Ah. And then when they're doing something right, you hear whining and whimpering and in this high pitched yeah. touching. Yeah. The, the, the mammalian, uh, mammalian reflex is, is, is activated at that point. The happy voice, the Mickey mouse, mouse voice, effective yep. trainers will, when they're praising a dog, they don't say, ah, good boy. They say, Oh, that's a good boy. Good job. You know, yep. Mickey mouse voice. And that, that invokes that behavior that they were learned that they were taught at birth from mama as well. Yeah. And that's the thing too, a dog with no negative enforcement that no. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to say that with my experience and just what we know, I don't think. And when we say negative enforcement, I'm not saying beating them down. Like you've already said, but right. You think of any human being in this world that has not learned through consequences of their negative actions. You know, my dad it's never impossible. beat us down, but he spanked us when we were bad. And it felt like the wrath of Thor's hammer coming down on our butt cheeks. And now I realize he was probably just letting gravity fall with his hand, you know, but like, right. With a it's dog, more to, it's more to it and not get, it's psychologic, you know, you know yeah. and, and yeah, there's got not to getting be... anthrop anthropomorphic on it, but the well, concept, I mean, we're all mammals, you know, right? like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't, there, there is no way dogs are not that far from not being domesticated animals. And to think that there's somebody's fur baby, that they're going to understand positive reinforcement all the time is unrealistic. You know, the, child. the world you know? is a violent place, except for the world that, that we are choosing to think that we live in you know, one void of violence and, but the world is a violent place and animals still understand that people are the, are the ones that have lost perspective on that. Go live in nature for one day and actually right. look around with open eyes and you will see that it's chaos and insanity out there Yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah for sure. And so that's the thing. I mean, positive reinforcement I've seen, you've seen these new age parents that won't like spank or discipline a child. They're only like sit down and try to have a conversation with them. Well, they're five and they're basically a dog on two legs. They only understand. Yay. Good boy. Mickey mouse or stop it. You know, like a little, little <laughs> bit of a, you know, I was spoken, a alien as a child spoken he, like the guy that has no kids. Hey, I was a kid once my parent, <laughs> my mom, she was not afraid to embarrass my ass in public. Let's say that. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I was a demon as a child. When I was first getting shots, my mom will tell you this story better than me. I should, she's going to be here soon. I should have her record. I was sitting on the chair. <laughs> my brother, oh, he got his shots. He was a little trooper. Shed one tear. My mom said, I was sitting there. As soon as I saw the needle coming towards my arm, I jumped up, slapped the shot out of her hand, bit the nurse closest to me, and ran for the door as fast as I could. It took three nurses to hold me down and inject me while I was screaming bloody murder, terrifying every kid out there in the lobby. And yeah, that's that's me. 
So anyway, so all the beatings, all the beatings didn't help you. Yeah, no. Uh, did you do it no again? Amount of positive reinforcement that was going to get you through that moment. You know right. I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that was a. I think that's about it. Some of the questions are repeats, like we were saying. So go check out prior. Ask me anything. They've been asked almost verbatim. So or, and, hey, I'll tell you first what. Off, better than I want to say thanks for engaging though. So don't think that your questions are bad. I'm happy that you put them there. I would just add, listen to the podcast. <laughs> don't just use yeah. the group as a place to hang out. Listen to the podcast because a lot of times the people that don't ask the same questions but get mentioned have listened to the podcast and they know not to ask that question because we've already covered it. Well, and luckily, a lot of the same questions have been asked on multiple podcasts over time. Yes. So you're going to learn. That's exactly what I mean. You know, if Heath hadn't covered it, if we haven't talked about it on an AMA, something like that, you know, then, then by all means, and I, I, I'm just glad for the engagement as well. Derek Tormanen, you are like a next level thinker there for sure. (laughs) All right. I think he's made everyone. Well, of course, when you have the real questions, the questions that really need answers. Exactly. That you're going to get mentioned every time. Exactly. Dog exactly. training? What is this? A dog podcast? No, I need to fight a bobcat right now. And apparently Josh Michaelis too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's anything that you have special that wants to make the list, Chris, now's the time. But that is wrapping up the Facebook group, my brother. Yeah. So, again, thanks everybody for, for paying attention. We don't just, we get a lot of pleasure and have a lot of fun with it answering the crazy questions. Um, but seriously, listen to the podcast. If you need more explanation on a topic, you know, just refer to it. It's like, Hey, I heard he say this. I heard Chris, I heard Chad, I heard Seth, whoever, you know, talk about this and, and I'd like a little more explanation. Can you address this a little more in depth or this is a special thing. You know, those are always welcome questions. Um, if you're going to ask me the most effective way to, to, trash break a dog off possums that's already been answered multiple times, then probably not going to get your question right. Uh, but anyway, check out, check out our Facebook group. It is there to promote this podcast. And when we're talking about podcast promotion, you know, one of the things you can do to help us first and foremost is join us on Patreon. Seth is the Patreon manager. He cranks out all kinds of cool content. You know, it's like having many podcasts every week. I always get it. I get messages all the time. Do you know anything else I can listen to this week? I can't, you know, I enjoy, enjoy listening to this. It's like, do you join us on Patreon? Seth, Seth drops another show every week. And I want to say that those episodes they're I mean, I'm not, they're just a little bit more. We, I really strive to um, get a little bit more down. You know what I mean? Um, It's a, tight-knit community there and it's just you can take the gloves off a little bit more there so i really try to have on yeah just a closer look a lot of behind the scenes stuff you know that that is that that's something i really like to do with you and and with other members of the team a chad especially he's a frequent flyer there and behind the scenes so that that's i think that's when i listen to podcasts from some of my favorite shows i love when they kind of talk more candidly about how they really felt or right. how something was going down how they perceived it so go check us out there you guys the, the tailgate talks are pretty diverse uh, not to and, mention and, not yeah. to mention the benefits 
you know, you That's get... what I was going to say. And codes and, and drawings and yeah. Discount yep. codes to, to dogs are treed, uh, Cajun lights on X, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, all kinds of codes that are going to save you money. You're going to get a, a membership to Sportsman's Alliance, which has got like a $70 value to it. And we just sent out our uh, shipments uh, two days ago. So right. if you've been a member, they just went out. So, yep. yeah. So you should be seeing those those benefits from Sportsman's Alliance. You have to be a member three uh, at the $12, $12 level for three months because we're not going in the hole. So you can sign up today, get your... <laughs> Get your Sportsman's Alliance <laughs> yeah, membership and then leave next month. Um, so we 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 need to do that. I think that's just a good business practice. I don't think anybody's looking for a freebie, but that's why we do that. Uh, the other thing you can do is shop on our, our merchandise store. We've got tons of cool stuff there. Uh, we're going to have all of our stuff at Autumn Oaks in, uh, on Labor Day weekend. We'll have all our merchandise there. We'll have some new stuff there that's not on the website I've been holding because cooler weathers are coming, and I didn't want to show up without inventory. So uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have that. We're gonna have we got tumblers, we got decals, we got leather, you know, belt knife sheets, and and all kinds of stuff that's that's pretty cool stuff. I've never I've never shown that belt knife sheath to somebody that didn't ask. It's really nice. Where, yeah, where do I get that? So the shirts are badass too. They're so comfortable. Look, guys, yeah. I do not wear uncomfortable clothes. No, I just don't. You know, they're so Heath, soft. Heath and I both were kind of, you know, we like being comfortable. We like being, and we like what's effective. And these shirts that we purchased are really designed for high activity. They're not mm -hmm. 100% polyester, but the cotton blend is low in them. So they dry quickly. They're comfortable. Um, they're just, they're just a great shirt. And we, we didn't go cheap on a lot of, on, on any of our stuff because we want function be over, over, uh, you know, margins and things like that. So they have a nice fit to them too. If you have a, a Tyler Sladen body in reverse, we have like an upper half. That's really nice. These shirts will fit you very well. Just saying. Yeah. If you got the the dad bod closing in on the grandpa bod, then they don't fit so good, which I noticed in some of my pictures from uh, New Mexico. So, but they well, are maybe you should, maybe you and Heath should leg wrestle. Exactly, <laughs> Heath would destroy me. I'll just admit it right now. Heath would destroy me. That guy's built for torque, man. Yeah, torque. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, he's like Gimli from Lord of the Rings, a deadly uh, sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so yeah, we got Patreon, we got shop our store and shop our sponsors. When you go to our website, uh, they, they help keep the lights on and, and keep us rolling down the road and bring in all kinds of content that we bring you every week, you know, everything from the cutting edge dog training to entertainment to, uh, the most important thing we do in my opinion, and it's not always the highest rated podcast for the most listened to, but the threat to our freedom is real and that's why we feature guests and and things that talk about that like we had naomi yates hirsch from sportsman's alliance a couple of weeks ago and talked about some real threats coming to colorado we're constantly doing that we're never going to stop doing that because 
That's why this podcast was created. We didn't create it so that we could sell you merchandise or anything else. We created it because we believe in our freedoms to, to hound, to hunt our hounds and, and hunt, hunt in ethical ways. And that's why we do it. That's the only reason we do it. Yes, sir. Glad to be a part of it. Yep. If, if Heath is Gimli, do you think Chad is Gollum? 100%. (laughs) <laughs> who he's or, he's standing over like a uh he's standing over like a like a um my precious yeah yeah what is he my preciousing over like a like a like a fancy training manuscript yeah my precious yeah my precious yeah exactly. for sure that's for how sure. he is with his baby salukis right now yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and that little what's that little llewellyn setter llewellyn's are like oh the, He's for, so cute for people for they're they're for people that don't want to say that they've got a setter, <laughs> an English setter. It's like try oh. to spell it. Try to spell it. I thought it was L O U no L L E N. Isn't it double L's up front? I don't know. Yeah, double I'm not fancy, Chris. I'm a rabbit hunter. E L L A N Llewellyn. I don't remember. Chad's classy. I'm not. Oh yeah. That's why he hunts draughts and Llewellyns because you know he likes sitting around with his tea set keeping his pinky in the air and and smoking faux cuban cigars and talking i will to... say he's got his own dog taxidermied in his living room so he's pretty badass though. he's a beast <laughs> you know that's the thing about chad he he can walk in those circles and then he can tone it down to walk amongst us knuckle dragon guys you know like me i he's just he's just awesome i sure yep all right well all right Let's wrap this up. Thanks everybody for tuning into the Houndsman XP podcast and watch for, I've actually set a calendar invite on my phone or a notification on my phone to remind me that we need to do these more often. And, uh, so watch for that iconic twins picture of me and tough in my truck and bombard us with questions. And we do like the, the fun and entertaining one that kind of gives us an opportunity to, uh, to kind of take the gloves off and, and be a more, little more raw. So guys, thanks for listening to the Houndsman XP podcast. This is fair chase.